0: Welcome to the Shoreline Community Church Podcast, a community of love, acceptance, forgiveness, and belonging. For more information, be sure to check us out online at ShorelineCC.com. Hey, man, if you've been with us, you know that uh, we are in the middle of a three-week series on what? On vision. On vision, it's 2020, so it's a natural setup for a vision series. Uh, Last week, we talked about how vision starts with God. And if you remember, we even looked at that word vision, and we went back to the Hebrew text, and we discovered that that word vision, it actually means that God is communicating to us for the purpose of sharing it with others. That's what vision is. Vision, it comes from God. He communicates to us for the purpose of sharing it with others, but also that word vision, it brings with it a responsibility. Because as we hear from God, as we communicate that to others, we are entering into this covenant relationship with God. It's this responsibility that changes us, and it forms us, and it even establishes the relationship. It's almost like when you, were, uh, when you were a kid. For some of you, that takes more memory than some others. But as you kind of look back when you were a kid, and maybe your mom or your dad or your aunt or your school teacher said, I want you to go and tell them something. And you said, yes, sir, yes, ma'am. You were entering into an agreement, weren't you? See, that's a lot of what the vision is. It's God speaking to us, revealing it to us. We understand, and then we take it, and there's a responsibility for that. Now, as we head into week two, we're moving from what vision is, God speaking to us, and we're talking about the responsibility that that lays on us as believers of Christ. See, there is a responsibility that comes with this. And when we look at our role and we look at how God uses us as followers, as disciples of Christ, a lot of times the analogy that you'll see used in Scripture is the analogy of building, and more specifically, stones. Right? There's this stonework. I think the Lord uses this because one of the big misunderstandings that we often have in Christianity is that Christianity is just about agreeing with God. How many of you have heard that before? right? And if you were here over Christmas, you, you saw that we had one of our new followers of Christ get baptized. And what he said is that, that he realized in this process of finding God and, and following Jesus was that he was mo- moving from, have, by, from serving God as only a consultant in his life to being the Lord of his life. See, this is the analogy that we're talking about, because a lot of times in this world we can think that Christianity is just about, uh, it's it's almost like we come to this understanding where we've seen the evidence for God, we've read enough books, we've seen it, and we go, yes, I believe that there is a God. And we may even have this little confessional prayer where we say, Lord, I I believe in you, and then we just check the God box and say, all right, I'm done. That means I'm a Christian, and there's nothing more to do, solve. Now I can go off and living my whole life. There was no way that anybody back in the New Testament seeing Jesus, seeing his disciples, and seeing what's going on would ever think that that's what it meant just to be a Christian. That it just meant some agreement. Because especially in that culture, a lot of people, they, they, they actually believed in God. They saw Jesus. They saw the miracles. But they were not followers of Christ. That's why today we're talking about this, this whole analogy of building. Because it is an exciting process. We're talking about engaging with God where he is transforming us. He is building us. And we are having this life to the full that Jesus talked about that changes us and transforms us. And it's a sacrificial life, but it is, there's nothing like it. That life being used by God where he's building you, having that vision and then acting it out faithfully following God. is an exciting life. And this is the life that Peter is talking about. And he's using this analogy about how God is building us. And if you have your Bible this morning or you have some kind of smart tablet, I invite you to turn to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2, and we're going to project the words up here so that we can follow along together. And in this passage of Scripture, Peter is talking about how we are living stones that God is building. Follow me as I read. It says, So, Get rid of all evil behavior, be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and all unkind speech. How many believe that's a good thing to do? Amen? Get rid of all evil behavior, be done with it. All the deceit, all the hypocrisy, all the jealousy, and all unkind speech. Like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk... So that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment. For any of you, we have some new babies here. Do babies have a problem crying out when they want something? No. I just talked to a parent, they're like, I'm not sleeping well. Okay, so <laughs> babies have no problem crying out. Peter's saying, Look, cry out. Cry out for this nourishment now that you have had a taste of the Lord's kindness. Peter goes on and he says, look, you are coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. And you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priests. Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. As the scriptures say, I am placing a cornerstone in Jerusalem chosen for great honor. And anyone who trusts in him, listen to this, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Yes, you who trust in him recognize the honor that God has given him. But for those who reject him, the stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. We're going to talk more about that in a little bit. And, Peter says and a lot because there's so much to say. And, he is the stone that makes people stumble. The rock that makes them fall. Listen to this. They stumble because they do not obey God's word. And so they meet the fate that was planned for them. They stumble because they do not obey God's word. But I love this next section. Peter says, but... You are not like that. Don't you like it when somebody sets it up, all these things, the stumble, the fall, and the thing going through, but then they look at you and they go, but you're not like that. This is not for you, for you are chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. We sang about that this morning. And as a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he has called you out of darkness Into his wonderful light. Amen. I could stop there and say, let's go to lunch. Let's have some goodness of the Lord. But there's so much to dive in this because we know that just hearing it, it often hits some hard soil in it. So as we walk through this today, we're going to look at that work that God has for us. How God is building us. How God is restoring us. But it's a hard work. It's a refining work. Before we do that, I want to invite you to pray and allow the Holy Spirit just to soften your heart. Because sometimes the Lord, he, he throws a seed out, but our hearts can be so hard either from exhaustion, from the weak, from things that have happened. So let's just invite the Holy Spirit to come in and to, to till that soil, to put down a deep blade. Holy Spirit, do your work in us. Do your work in me today. I need to hear you. I need to know and experiencing you. So Lord, soften our heart. And Lord, guide me today, anoint me, fill me with your power, and anoint me to speak your truth, your word. We are in a critical season that you've positioned us for, for your glory. So Lord, help us to hear and receive from you today. Speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. And everyone said together, Amen, amen. So today we're talking about just two things. We're talking about stone quality, and we're also going to be talking about stone placement. So first of all, let's look at stone quality. See, Peter begins talking about this by talking about the integrity of the stone. See, he's heading into this building analogy, He's saying, God, he's getting ready to build something wonderful in you. And he says this in verse 5. He says, look, you are coming to Christ. You are the living stones that God is building into a spiritual temple. See, building is exciting excitement exciting i do a lot of word mashes okay it's the cultural breakdown between canada and america so we are walking through (laughs) when you're walking through all of this building's exciting have you seen all the building going on in our neighborhood tons of building some you probably like and some you're like i don't know if i like that tree coming down all right we've got mixed emotions but every time someone builds what do you do you stop and you look I have to be more and more careful coming up 185th because people start slowing down and they're looking at the building. See, things are changing around us. Our neighborhood is changing. But one of the things that you need to take notice of is that before a builder builds, whether it's all the construction going in 185th or maybe something going on in your home, in your apartment, wherever you are, the first thing that the builder does is the builder inspects the lumber. Just go to Home Depot and you'll see the men and women picking out lumber there. What's the first thing they do? They lay it down and they eye it up, right? Right? Because we know that we haven't had a straight piece of lumber since 1940, right? You look at it, and it's all wonky, and it's crazy. It's just hard to find out. And you know that whatever you put down, you're going to be building on that wonky lumber unless you take the 45 minutes it takes to find a straight piece of lumber at Home Depot. That's just my personal pain speaking out this morning, okay? Every builder goes in, and they look at it because they know the importance of this. And what Peter says in applying that to us, he says here in 1 Peter 2.1, he says, look, Get rid of all behavior. Get rid of all evil behavior. Be done with your deceit. Be done with hypocrisy and jealousy and all unkind speech. Have any of you ever done that? Have you ever said an unkind word? Have you ever been jealous of anybody? Right? I'm not holding my hand out figuratively, okay? There's there's things that I've done. Talk to my mom, my dad, and if not, my sisters would love to tell you, okay? So as we walk through it... Peter's saying, look, get rid of all that. This is not for you. He says, like newborn babies, you need to crave the spiritual milk. You need to be crying out for this stuff because God is doing a work in us. And Peter even takes it one step further because he does this comparison saying that Jesus Christ is the living stone. He now says, and so are you. You are living stones. See, when he says living stone, he's talking about Jesus dying and rising from the grave for us. But it didn't stop there because now as we surrender to Christ, his spirit fills our very life. His spirit is in us. Everyone should say, wow. And if you've not experienced that, boy, I would love to introduce you to Jesus Christ. It is that life to the full, that transforming spirit alive in us. And he's pulling that together for everybody. saying, look, now you are living stones. His spirit is inside of you. You are alive in him. See, Peter, he's pointing to a key part about the gospel. See, the gospel is what? The gospel, we go back to our origins, how we were made. The gospel is that God, he made us. He breathed the breath of life into us. And he made us, and I want everyone to hear this. God made you as a soul to live forever with him. This life, this is not our kingdom. This is not our kingdom. God made us as a soul to live forever. And sometimes we just focus on the here and now, and God is saying, I've prepared a place for you. I made you as a soul to live forever. But there was a problem. The problem that we all have is that we have all rejected God. I have. The Bible calls that sin. And even though we rejected God after everything that God has done, God still loved us. Isn't that amazing? There's no dysfunction in God. He made us. He poured into us, made us in his image. We rejected him. God still loved us. So he sent Jesus and he's like, I'm going to show you what this is all about. He walked with us, lived with us, gave his life for us, and then three days later rose from the grave, conquering death and sin forever. Say forever. Forever. All the Sandlot people are there, okay? So walking it out so that now we can be alive in Christ, transformed and renewed, and live with God forever. It's mind-blowing. We can't even think about it, but this is the gospel. See, a lot of times we'll say it this way. We'll say that, it's, it's, that the gospel is believe, receive, and become. Say that with me. Believe, receive, become. One more time. Believe, receive, and become. And this becoming part, this is the building part that Peter is talking about. And Peter, is he's reminding us that, look, a good builder always inspects, and especially at the beginning because the foundation is everything. The foundation is important. And as we talk about our vision as a church and this whole bridge ministry and building bridges to our community, the number one cause of failure in bridges is failure of the foundation. If the foundation washes away, cracks and crumbles, the whole bridge is gone. It's destroyed. And see, Peter, he's pulling this in and he's addressing it from a foundational standpoint for us looking at holy living. Be holy because he is holy. Put away all that deceit, all that filth. See, when a builder looks at a roof and sees the roof cracking or twisting a little bit, do you know the first thing that builder looks at? The foundation. When a builder goes into a house and sees there's a crack in the ceiling, the builder first goes down and looks at the foundation. Is the foundation okay? When there's a crack in the wall, what does the builder look at? Foundation, you're all a bunch of builders. Bob the Builder would be very proud today, okay? We're all building. We're strengthening this foundation that's going on in this. Because, see, I, I know as a, as a as a homeowner and a, a you know a handy tool man, whatever, uh, I go to me a lot because I'm the best deal in town because I'm free, okay? But you get what you pay for, honey. So you're going through. It's it's walking through. I learn very easily that if, if I just see a crack in the wall, I can't just go up and just start putting some mud on it and say I'm done. Because if there's a foundation issue, when the foundation shifts, what happens? Everything shifts. So Peter's, he's going right to the foundation, saying, Look, be holy as I'm ho- as, as he is holy, Jesus Christ. And see, here's something else that I've learned along the way. That as it comes to this inspection part, because this can be difficult for us, as it comes to the inspection part and with problems in now. The Bible says that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. I found that the sooner I find a problem, the easier it is to fix and the cheaper it is to fix. How many like that when it comes to fixing up things? You want it cheap and easy, right? But if I let things go, if I ignore things, the longer I ignore it, what happens? The bigger the problem becomes. See, if I I see my roof leaking and I get to it pretty quick and I start taking care of it, that can be a very quick, easy fix. But sometimes there are leaks behind the wall, and I'm not speaking hypothetically. And all of a sudden you see something shift, and you open it up, and you realize there was a leak that happened there 20, 30, 40 years ago. And now that main supporting beam is rotten, and the rot has gone out to everything beyond it. Story of my life. Okay, so it's just going through, right? Now, I've got to tear everything off. I've got to pull it out. I've got to call some friends who are smarter than me, who know what they're doing, who can bring in the expertise. I've got to pay some people to come in. Now, hear what I'm saying. No matter what's going on in your life, if there's a problem of sin in your life, that whether it's today you've you've seen it or whether it's been decades, is God going to come in and fix it? Yes. My point in this is going, but if you see it now, allow the Holy Spirit to deal with it. Allow the Holy Spirit to come in and to strengthen it and to begin building in your life. Proverbs says it this way: as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. James 5:16, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. We need to check this thing. This is why we have groups we can come together and say, man, you know, I'm being tempted this week. Would you pray with me? Would you help me in this area? I have this struggle. We have all these groups. These relationships are so important because God is doing a work in us. Every year I go to my doctor and I get a physical. Is that fun? No, it's not fun. I passed. He said less fried chicken, but apart from that, not too bad. But there have been times in the past when I've gotten into my physical where the doctor said, we need to do more blood work here. We need to see what's going on. And let me tell you how thankful I am for that. Are you thankful for that? The needle hurts. So many things that they do to find out it may hurt, but it's for the purpose of healing. This is how God works in us. And before we move on to that next part, let me just invite you just to close your eyes and say, Lord, I want to pray that prayer of David. Reveal to me any unknown sin, anything that is coming in to put cracks in that foundation. Just take a moment to do that. Close your eyes. This is just you and the Lord. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. But allow the Holy Spirit to search your heart and say, Is there anything in me that offends you, Lord? And as the Holy Spirit reveals it to you, you don't need to wait for an altar call. You can just ask for forgiveness right now. Say, Lord, forgive me. Help me to walk in that. Help me to walk in that wholeness. And I've often found that the Holy Spirit sometimes will reveal things if they've been there for a while and says, you're scared to let this go. You're scared because of what you think it might mean. The Holy Spirit is saying, are you ready to be gone with that? The hurt, the pain, the deceit, the jealousy. Maybe harboring an offense. Maybe walking in a way that you've justified. Do your work, Holy Spirit. We want to walk right with you. Your way is pure. Your way is for our best. You have our best because we're your children. The God that forever we will live with. And everyone said together, Amen, amen. So focus on that foundation. Get in a group. Get with people who love you enough and care about you enough to go, how you doing? What's going on in your life? How can I pray with you? And people that also feel vulnerable enough to, to, to not just hear the junk that's going on in your life and say, here's some stuff going on with me that I need you to pray for me about. Let me be real here for a moment. I'm praying that as people come into this place, they will find a place of realness where we can share one of those burdens and pray for healing. Amen? Amen. That's real community. See, God, he's doing that work in us. And he's doing that because this brings us to the second point today, and I only got two points today, okay? And this is about constructing. This is about constructing. This is about placing the stones because once we go and the Lord, he moves in our life and he's strengthening us and he's shoring up the foundation. It's all for the purpose of construction. See, success is found in placing it together, in putting us together. Now, we know that construction, it says that Jesus, he is the cornerstone. See, all construction begins with Jesus. He is the cornerstone. And cornerstone, that may be kind of a a new term for us today, right? Uh, uh, It's not something that we hear a lot about. But cornerstone, especially in that culture, when they said you, you are coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone, they knew that the cornerstone, or sometimes called the foundation or setting stone, this is the first stone that is set in construction. This is the stone that is set down, that everything else lays off of. If that cornerstone is crooked, how's the building going to be? It's going to be crooked. Okay. If if it's off, the rest of the building is off. And he's saying that Jesus is the cornerstone. All other stones will be set in reference to this stone. This determines the position of the structure, the strength of the structure, the integrity, and how things are going to play out. This is essential. This is the living stone. And see, Peter is going on and he's saying, look, God uses us. God is using us. This is his plan. His plan is to use us. Jesus is placed first, but then God, he places us. See, we all have a role to play in God's kingdom. God made you. He formed you. The psalmist said that before you were born, he was knitting you together in your mother's womb. He was there. He knew you before time began. This is the God that we serve. And he's made you for a purpose so that we all fit together. We all have this role. And not every stone is the same. Not every stone looks the same. We we know this, right? But I think sometimes we we forget. Sometimes people would come in and go, you look a little different than me. And I'm like, good, because we were missing you. When I see somebody different than me, I'm like, thank God. We have enough of me. We need more of you. Right? That's the truth, isn't it? We need that. There's so much going on in the building, so many giftings. See, Paul even says this in 1 Corinthians. He says, look, he says, we are the church, the body of Christ. The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up the whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part in it. So we hear that and we love that, and say, yes, we're all a part of the body of Christ. He has a place for us. That's awesome. But do you know what the hard part is in building with stones? It's often the placing of the stone. Maybe you've seen a stonemason work before, and they have this tool. This is a mason's hammer. And see, what the stonemason does is the stonemason takes this, because a lot of times when he or she will put that stone in, it doesn't always fit. I had a really good friend who was a stonemason back in northern Virginia, and this tool never left their side. It was always there. And I would see them try to put a stone in, and when the stone wouldn't fit, they wouldn't take the stone and throw it away, but they would nick a little bit off here and take a little bit off here, and sometimes they put it down, and they would whack it really hard like this. Do you know who the, who the, Now, do you know who the living stones are? You and me. Have you ever felt that hammer coming to you where it's a little bit off here, and sometimes it's hitting it? This is the work of placement. And sometimes it can be a painful process. That's why throughout scripture when we see this process of when we're pliable, when we're responsive to the word of the Lord, it's like we flow in it and we're fitting, we're being there. But when we're resisting, we're trying to go around it's like, all right, get the big hammer, boys. Dwayne's being a Nimrod today, so we're going to come in and take a little bit off here and a little bit off there. But this is the work of the Lord. This is a loving work. How cruel would it be to just stick a stone and say, well, I hope that works. I hope Dwayne makes it. I hope he finds his life. We're just going to pick it to the side and see what happens. Maybe he'll fall off and roll down the hill. It would be cruel to ignore something that was made for something but doesn't fit and not step in and say, how can we make this work? See, this is the process that we're in. I think a lot of times this process brings us the greatest temptation. Because when we experience this process... We go through the temptation to jump out and say, you know what? Enough of this, God. I'm going to be the architect of my life. You think you know what you're doing? I've seen your mason stone. But the biggest temptation, I think, is for us to be the designer. I tried it your way, God. I'm going to do it my way. That was too painful. That hurt. There were some people that I don't know what kind of hammer they had, but I'm done with them. How many of you have been there before? How many of you have been there here before? <laughs> Anybody? Bueller? Okay. So as we walk through all of this, there's this process of, of saying, you know what, God, I'm, I've had enough. I'm tired of this. See, we've, we fall into this trap of, of trying to be the architect of our, of our souls, thinking that, you know what, it's a better way. But I'm telling you, it's exhausting. There's only one God. He's the designer. He's the one who made you. He's the one who fashioned and formed you. And when we give in to the ways of this world, see, the world will tell you and the culture will tell you, and even sometimes maybe you have echoed these words before, but I said, you know what? You be you and I'll be me. You just be you and I'll be me. You just be perfect and just do your own thing, and, and we're not going to talk to each other about it. Have you heard that before? I'm not seeing a lot of smiles today, so. And I'm insecure enough, like you heard last week, for it to bother me a little bit. <laughs> So walking through, <laughs> walking through this process, we get in this process, and we're like, man, what, what is this? You know, we're not God. See, there's studies coming out now from psychiatrists, sociologists counselors and what they're finding is that the more that we try to be the architect of our life we're in a in a world that says anything is possible and you can just do anything and go out the problem is that weight of going i don't know what to do and when it doesn't work out what is happening for me and the depression comes in and all these voices come in and we feel overwhelmed and we feel depressed because we're trying to be the architect anytime we step into the role of god it is going to be exhausting and it's going to crush us and it's going to hurt people around us Anytime I do that, whatever role I'm in, I am not the architect. If you want a good picture of that, just read the Old Testament. The Old Testament is this cycle of God making us and creating us, calling the children of Israel. And they have this good life and they're following God, and then they get a little too comfortable and they say, you know what, we've got it from here, God, don't worry. We'll start making our own gods, we'll start doing our own things. And then sin comes in, and then they start being oppressed by their enemies around them because they've opened themselves up by rejecting of God. And they go through just years and decades. And then they come back to God and things get good again. And they go, okay, God, I've got it from here. And they cycle down to oppression, being surrounded by their enemies. And they say, okay, God, I'll come back to you. Do you see that cycle? Have you ever been in that cycle? Do you have friends that walk in that cycle? It's just up and down, up and down, up and down. And I'm telling you, as the body of the Christ, this is not our cycle. We need to break the cycle. We need to recognize, God, you made me. You formed me. You fashioned me. I want to serve you my whole life. I want to find that place that you have for me. I want your spirit alive in me. Let's break that cycle. You're the architect, not me. You're God, not me. Why don't I let you be God and I'll be Dwayne, and you Allow him to form and to fashion us and to shape us. This is the work of God in us and to live for him. That's that's why Peter says, he says in the previous chapter in verse 1, he says, look, you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into the old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better back then. But now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say, you must be holy because I am holy. Because I am holy. It's a foundational work. You are God. You are the architect. Let me surrender to you. Are you having a difficult time in your life? Turn to God. We talked about last week that Mark Batterson quote that a lot of times we're looking for answers. And here's what I've found. This is what Mark Batterson's found. This is what so many people who have been following God for a long time. That instead of seeking the answers, you seek God and the answers will find you. How many of you found that to be true? You seek God because a lot of times I'm asking the wrong question. I'm asking a question and God's going, that's the wrong question. Jesus did that all the time. You're asking this, you should be asking this. You follow God and the answer will follow you. Because sometimes there's something that's needed in my life, there's a direction that I need, and I don't even have the right question for it. So what does he say? Come unto me, all ye who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Walk with me. You want the answer? Let's go for a walk. You want the answer? Let's go for a walk. We'll we'll find the answer, but you need to walk with me. This is the walk of God. And as we've been walking with God, this whole analogy, this is why it keeps bringing me back to the analogy of the bridge. We've been talking about the vision that God has for us at Shoreline Community Church, and and, and the bridge, it just keeps popping back to me. The Lord, he keeps bringing it back to me. See, God has called us to build a, a bridge to our, our community, a community that is disconnected, a community that's confused about God by so many things. They've seen so many well-meaning people do things that confuse them sometimes. And we're even in a culture now that when they talk about the confusion of God, it's, not, it's often not even firsthand. There's times that I'll find someone that's, that's firsthand, but more often than not, when I find someone that's not following Christ, a lot of times it's secondhand or thirdhand. They haven't experienced it, their friend hasn't experienced it, but a friend of a friend of a friend experiences it something bad and i'm finding this too that as we walk through this whole process that when i tell people uh, that i'm a pastor i'll have people say what is a pastor and they're not being funny about it they're sincerely saying what is a pastor totally out of their world the cool thing is when i tell them what a pastor is they go well that, that sounds kind of cool that sounds nice can i be a pastor does that work out And I say, follow follow me as I follow Christ. Let's see what God has for you. But in this bridge analogy, and we're going to be talking more about that next week, I believe one of the things that God wants us to hear in this is that we need to work on that foundation. Because it is no good for us to start laying boards and start building these bridges and the foundation be faulty and washing away. This foundational work is, is essential. It's the foundational work that God is calling us to. It's the Ephesians model of equipping the saints for the work of ministry. That's what all this comes down to, shaping the stones, the placement, equipping it. And I want to share just a little bit of real practical vision, because a lot of times we we, we talk about vision kind of in big concepts. Here's where it gets really refined for you. And by you, I mean you. Look at the person next to you and say, I think Dwayne's talking to you. Okay? Okay? I hope you come back again next week. (laughs) We have a Starbucks gift card for you, so go back and get a gift card. (laughs) This is you. We have fine-tuned this in to where, as a leadership team, we're going, we need to invest in leaders. We need to invest intently in leaders because a lot of times we can just get in the worker mentality. And the worker mentality says, I can do it. Just me. Just Pastor Dwayne or maybe just a few other pastors and then they can do it. But the Ephesians model is is equipping the saints, all of you, for the work of ministry to where we are coming in, where we are intently digging in and investing in the soul. The soul of the leaders, what it means to be a leader following God. Reading, studying together, praying together, fasting, studying books together, talking about it, what that means. And then all of our leaders, we've given them that challenge, we've given that assignment that you need to build a leadership team. Already we have, we, we have our pastors and directors who are building leadership teams. In the children's ministry now, they're building leadership teams, not teams that are, that, that are just doing tasks, but leaders that are looking at the air and saying, what would God have us do and how can we do it? And then they begin to invest in leaders around them. See, this is not just about what Pastor Dwayne can do. This is the body of Christ, all of us doing our role. And then they develop teams. And, past, and then Kim's talking about now doing a discipleship team. She's pulled together people where, you know what, one of our top things is discipleship. How are we going to be making disciples intently? Because it is an easy process. We've been called to make disciples, meaning that anybody can do it. Young, old, child, adult, anyone can do it. But we need to be intent about it. Because guess where the enemy is pointing all of his attacks? At our foundation. We need this foundational work to be getting in, to be developing the teams, all of us coming together, so that next week we're talking about how are we building the bridge? What are the bridges that we are building to our community that is far from God, that is confused about God? Wonderful, beautiful people, friends of mine. God has placed us here to build the foundation, to strengthen our godly leadership in Him, so that we can share the good works with the community around us and building the bridges. But we've got to get the foundation strong. Are we going to get it perfect? No. But we build it. We invest in it. We, we, we talk to one another. We hold each other accountable for the purpose of growing in God. And you know, all this may sound good and it may sound great. To some of you, I know it's a lot to process. This is the call. This is the day that we are in. God has called us to build bridges. We strengthen that foundation. But do you know what the number one question is in all of this for us? It comes down to the question that Jesus asked of Peter. Remember when Jesus asked Peter? He said, Peter, who do you say that I am? And he started listing off all these people and said, no, but Peter, not who do they say that I am. Who do you say that I am? And what did Peter say? He said, you are the Messiah. You are the Son of God. And then Jesus used an analogy. He said, Peter, you are a rock. And upon this rock, which is the confession of faith of Jesus Christ, saying, I will surrender to you, O God. I will build my church. It's a question of ownership, walking moment by moment, knowing that the Lord is with me. He's alive, He's living in me. I am now this living stone. I am now this living stone. You know, I was walking through the, this process with um, someone years ago, and, and they asked me, the, asked me the question, you know, because you can say, you know, Dwayne, who is Jesus to you? And we can come up with the right answers, can't we? He's the Son of God. He's the Messiah. He's the Lord of my life. He's, I surrender to him. I give everything to him. But then they asked the second question. They said, okay, okay that's good answer. You've been to seminary. Well done. Now, how would other people describe you? what would they say is the most important part to you? And not just Sunday morning people, when you're singing and you're reading the word of God and those are wonderful things, important things. How would people describe you at work in the grocery store? How would your kids describe you? How would the people that you hope no one else ever meets in your life <laughs> describe you? maybe that's where you struggle the most see it's a question of ownership and what i've discovered is that jesus always goes there because he's a master builder and what does the master builder do he lays out the wood and he says this is it straight he looks at your foundation and goes is there anything here to fix and there's times in my life he's grabbed the mason hammer and said you know what we're gonna just wait until you fit and you see that life to the full I'm talking about. But it requires that surrender of whatever you say. You know, sometimes we say, you know what, God, I'm listening, but I can't hear you. And God's saying, because you're listening to many other voices, you've got too many other things turned on in your life. I told you this, and, you, and you've yet to do that. Why don't you do this? <laughs> You want to hear God, you start walking in obedience. Every act of obedience turns in that, that signal to God. Every time we meditate on his word and we say, God, I'm yours, let this be in me. The voice of God starts to echo in, in, in our heart. When he tells us something and we walk in faith, and you've told me here I'm going to walk and listen along the way. His voice begins to echo and yes, there's dark nights of the soul. But we need to be tuning our life to God and turning off anything that is abomination to him. Anything that would keep us from following him because time is short. This is the season that we have. I look at my life and I say, God, what are these next 10, 20, 30 years going to look like for me? What would you have me do? And what he says, surrender. Seek me. Walk with me. And I'll show you. Are you hungry for that? Are you ready to allow the Lord to move into your foundation? To speak to you. To bring healing to your life. To bring healing to the community. Amen. Let's all stand together. And as we stand, I invite you just to ask the Lord that question. Lord, what are you saying to me? Where are the areas of my life that as the master builder, you're saying, let's deal with this. Where are the areas of life that you need healing? Just seek the Lord. He's calling you. He's calling that person going to take it as a sign. What is the Lord speaking to you? You know, I'm, I'm not interested in playing church. I'm not interested in shallow community. I'm not interested in just showing up on Sunday. As important as this is, Hebrews says, never neglect gathering together. But I want to be so active in living for Christ that I run here on Sunday morning, saying, "I need my brothers and sisters to surround me and to pray for me." Because what I just did in the name of Jesus this past week—it scared me, man. <laughs> it was tough. But look what happened. Look at the seeds God's calling us. Look at the faith He's calling us to do. Look at these steps He's calling us to do. He's going to call you to start going to some of your friends and apologize and say, "You know, what? I'm a follower of Christ, but I've not portrayed that to you. But now I'm serving Christ." And I'm following him. And there's sometimes I've heard stories of people talking to their unsaved friends. And they said, Would would you hold me accountable? I want to follow Christ. This is who Jesus is. This is who he was called to be. If you see something, you tell me. He is calling us to step it up. Watch what he'll do. One quick story. I know I've preached a little longer today. But I believe he's going to move in your life in powerful ways. I was on a train in Germany, and I was tired. While I was gone on missions, I got like an hour or two, I got two hours sleep a night, but I was so excited to be on on this this missions trip that I just came from. And I sat down on this train, it was a two-hour train, and I, I put my earbuds in. And I'm like, Jesus, take the wheel and let me sleep. And then this guy sat next to me, and Jesus said... this is your assignment. And the Lord woke me up and I began to have a conversation. And at first, I just kind of eased into it. How you doing? I'm kind of tired today. I mean, I'm, I'm just, you know, the worst evangelist you ever saw in your life. And I began talking and he started sharing some things with me. By the end of that, we came to a God moment that only God could do. Are you praying for that for the person next to you? Because I'm telling you, when you're walking with the Lord, he will even wake you up from your sleep. When you walk in, he's going to wake you up. He's going to strengthen you. He's going to empower you. And he's going to use you. And he's going to speak to you. And as you are witnessing to other people, and as you are sharing your life to other people, God's going to be speaking to things and strengthening your life. But it comes with this act of surrender. Amen? Amen. Amen. So, Father, this is the response time that you've led us to, you've been speaking to me about. May we respond faithfully to you, O God. Holy Spirit, speak to us. Soften our heart. Turn off every voice of the enemy, every distraction, anything that would keep us from this moment. You're strengthening our foundation. You're preparing us for the call that you have for us to love Shoreline, to love Seattle, and to love the world. But that's only as the life of Christ, as we are living stones, your life alive in us, being obedient as you speak to us. Show us the areas that you're chipping away. Show us the things you're pouring into us. In your name, as the worship team sings out, I want you to respond to this. What is the Lord speaking to you? If there's sin that you need to confess, you need to find somebody, find someone you trust, and go. You know what? This is what God was speaking to me when that was going on. He was bringing it to my memory, and I want to confess it to you because I trust you, and I want you to help me as we walk through this. Maybe you've never received the Lord. And you're saying, man, I want to follow Jesus. We have prayer team members across the side. And prayer team, if you would go out, go talk to them. Come talk to me. I, man, how exciting to lead somebody to Jesus. <laughs> Let's respond. Maybe God's speaking to you in some way. Talk to somebody. We have the prayer wall you can go to. We have the communion table you can go. And just as a sign of surrender, Lord, I'm all in. I'm all in as you gave your body, as you spilt your blood. Let's get all in for Jesus and let's respond, amen? Let's respond to the word. Speak to somebody this morning. Share seek the secret word.